0: Titus chapter 2, I think this morning I'll just read verses 3 through 5, Titus 2, 3 through 5. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. They admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands. The word of God may not be blasphemed. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. May may be seated. Let's join our hearts together in prayer as we come to this text of Holy Scripture. Let's pray. Our Father, we do pray that you would help us, help us all to be doers of your word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves. We pray that you would help us to love your word and love your precepts and desire to do it in light of the great salvation that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Help me in preaching this morning and help everyone here in hearing your word. And those who are not saved, we pray that you would touch their heart with your truth and bring them to Christ in repentance and faith. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have been going through Titus 2, particularly focusing on what older women are to teach Or Admonish younger women in those things that the end of verse three says that the older women are to be teachers of good things. And so we've been really focusing, I've been focusing on what those things older women are to teach younger women and the importance of the ministry of older women admonishing younger women, the importance of those who are older in their years, encouraging those who are younger in their years in godliness, but Of course, all these things that the older women are to admonish younger women are things that the older women should be seeking to do themselves so that they can be a good example, not only in what they say, but in the way they live. And so these things are not just for younger women per se, but also for the older women to continue in so that they might be a good example to younger women in the church. I've also been trying to emphasize over and over again that these are not just a list of duties that a woman does just to do it, but she wants to do these things because she's been saved by the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. She wants to live this way. She wants to be a godly woman. She wants to be pleasing to God because of his great love for her manifested through Christ in the gospel. It's not done as a woman saying, if I do these things, I'll be saved. Or if I do these things, maybe I'll have more brownie points in heaven. Or if I do these things somehow, maybe I'll be more justified in God's sight. None of those things are true. She does these things with the assurance that she's loved by God, that she's accepted in the beloved, and that she has been redeemed from all of her sin. A woman who does these things saying, if only I could do these things better, maybe then I would be saved. Maybe then I would be better accepted, will burn out and will not find the strength she needs to be the godly woman God wants her to be. She must do this knowing that her father loves her, knowing that Christ is her savior and knowing that the spirit indwells her, giving her the energy and strength to do what God wants her to do according to Titus 2. And I cannot emphasize that enough because without that, it is not really being a Titus 2 woman. Titus 2 woman, you, you cannot, let me put it like this. You cannot be a Titus 2 woman Unless you're a Christian. You cannot be a ties to woman unless you're a Christian. Unless you know God as your father. Unless you know Christ as your savior. Unless you have the spirit indwelling you. You might go through the motions of some of these things. You might do them externally. But you won't do them as God wants you to. Unless you are in Christ. And that's why he begins this section by saying, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. And sound doctrine is all rooted in What? The person and work of Jesus Christ. And therefore, it is essential that these things are understood in light of the redemption that a woman has in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Because otherwise, if a woman is not redeemed by Jesus Christ, does not have a new mind and a new heart because of the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, she will truly despise once she understands truly what it means to be a Titus 2 woman. Because she will not want what Titus II wants for her because her heart is thinking according to the flesh and not according to the spirits. And therefore, the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ <clears throat> is essential for a woman wanting what God wants for her. Otherwise, it is moralism and it's not sanctification. So the main point of this sermon is older women admonishing younger women based on sound doctrine to be homemakers, good and obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God not be blasphemed. My first point, older women admonishing younger women based on sound doctrine to be homemakers. My second point, older women admonishing younger women based on sound doctrine to be good. My third point. Older women admonishing younger women based on sound doctrine to be obedient to their own husbands. And my fourth point, that the word of God not be blasphemed. So again, my first point, older women admonishing younger women based on sound doctrine to be homemakers. But before I get into that, I just want to do a brief summary because this will be, Lord willing, my last sermon on Titus 2, older women to younger women, what they are to teach. Before I move on to verse 6, Lord willing, and and beyond, we've seen that older women are to teach younger women first. Older women are to admonish younger women what it means practically to love their husbands. So older women are to admonish and teach younger women what it looks like practically to love their husbands husband. And so this is the first thing because that's the first relationship of a married woman is to her husband. And so the older women must be teaching and admonishing the younger women to practically in real tangible ways to love their husbands. And then we've seen as well that they are to teach them to love their children. What that looks like biblically and practically what it looks like for a woman to care, nurture, and love her precious children. Then we saw last Lord's Day that she is to teach the younger women to be discreet, which means to be self-controlled. What it looks like to be a self-controlled woman who is living with that fruit of the spirit of self-control. Then also we saw Chase, well, loving their children, we saw that last Lord say as well. And then discreet and chaste. So discreet being self-controlled and chaste being pure, both in her desire and the way she interacts with men, fleeing fornication and adultery, and in the way she dresses in a modest, chaste, pure manner. And so these are the things that older women are to admonish younger women in. <clears throat> and it is so important as well, because a lot of these things, it is not best It's not ideal, maybe that's the best, yeah, ideal or best for a man to train women in these things. And so God has made it where it's best. And his his framework is that older women would be teaching younger women these things. So that older women would be able to encourage a younger woman and what it means to be self-controlled and what it means to be chaste, what it means to love their husband and to love their children. Obviously, husbands and fathers are going to play a big role in seeking to shepherd their wives and these type of things, of course. But there's also a role that women need other women in their life that are not going to bash their husbands or bash their children or give them worldly advice, but seek to show them from Scripture what it looks like to be a loving, godly wife and mother. This is crucial. And sadly, I think some of the reason why we are in the problem that we are with women in our culture is because there have not been as many as there ought to have been of older women encouraging younger women in what Titus 2 says, or assuming it without teaching it. Assuming they're just going to get it without the loving, gracious exhortation of older women coming alongside, helping them see the value of loving their husband and children, being discreet and chaste, etc. And so it's important that older women take up the mantle and take up the task when God gives them opportunity to admonish and teach and instruct younger women in feminine virtues. And feminine virtues. And this is so important. Because the world. The world by and large. Is not going to teach women feminine virtues. And so it must be godly. Christian women. That are speaking a different word. Than the culture. To these younger women. So that they might love what God loves. This is crucial. This is so important. So important. That women are hearing. God's view of what matters God's view of what matters feminism has crept obviously it's in the culture and it's crept into the church and we need older women who are not feministic and love being godly women love being wives and mothers who can equip younger women to also love those things we, we need this we need this desperately and so as we focus <clears throat> This morning on the last three, and then that the word of God may not be blasphemed. May God help us in these ways. And may you women here, whether you consider yourself older or not, wherever you put yourself in that, there's going to be women that are going to be in your life, whether you're daughters or whether people in the church or whether you know outside this local fellowship that are going to need your help and going to need your care. And so may you be a doer of the word, not a hearer only deceiving yourselves. It's not good enough for me to preach these sermons and preach in your ears that you would help younger women. And you say, well, that would be good, but. And then it never happens. It's so important that this happens and this takes place for the good of older women and younger women. And let me just say this as well, before I get into the first point proper. One of the the best ways to learn something, and probably many of you can attest to this, is by Teaching it. One of the reasons why people, one of the best ways people learn things is by teaching others. And you know you really grasp something when you're able to teach someone else. And so this not only benefits younger women, it benefits older women. When they're teaching these things, it makes them more desirous to be what God wants them to be. Maybe you've experienced this. You're going to tell someone something. And you know you're not really doing it like you ought. And it convicts you to be better so that you can better help that person do it themselves. And so this is, this is very key. And it's very helpful for the older and the younger. But now we, we look at this next thing that older women are to teach younger women. They're to teach them to be, as my translation puts it, Homemakers. The old King James puts it keepers at home. The new King James puts it as homemaker. Some translations put workers at home, working at home. There's different ways that this can be, or this word is translated in different English Bibles, but I think the translation homemaker is good. And it's one that we understand very well, broadly speaking, that older women are to teach younger women to be homemakers. We live in a society where the idea of a woman being a homemaker, a housewife, that her work is to be in the home for the good of her husband and children is despised in many ways, is despised in many ways. We live in a society where the encouragement of a wife devoting the primary her primary focus to loving her husband and loving her children by being in the home for the good of that home is not well liked in our culture. It's not something that's received well in encouraging women to be homemakers. But that is one of the things that Titus 2 women are to be and do for younger women. They are to admonish them of the blessedness and the goodness of being As we might say in our culture too, a stay-at-home mom. The goodness of a woman seeking to give up her career pursuits, not being a career woman, and focusing on the good and well-being of her husband and children in the home. In the home. This is what older women are to teach younger women. But before I get into other things about that, let's look through the scriptures to see this as a common theme of the primary sphere of a woman is in her home. If you turn me to Genesis chapter 3, Genesis 3. This is after the fall of mankind and when God is giving the curses to the serpent, and to Adam and to his wife, we see a unique thing related with the curses that are given, which is insightful as we think about Scripture. We know that Adam's curse was that he, the ground would be cursed, his work would be more difficult, his labor as the breadwinner would be more difficult. Not that work is the curse, but work will be more difficult. His work as breadwinner will be more difficult because of the curse. Because work is a good thing, but the fall made it more difficult. But then we see in verse 16 the the reality of the woman's curse. It says, To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So we see the reality that a woman's curse is connected with childbearing, is connected with the process of having children and rearing children in the context of the home. And so we see that having children is not a curse, just like work is not a curse. But because of the fall, having and rearing children will be more difficult and there'll be sorrow connected to it because of the fall of mankind. And so we see here a beginning, at least some light of the distinction between Adam and Eve, his curse connected to being the breadwinner, that by the sweat of his brow, he will be able to toil the ground. And the woman's curse connected with childbearing and those things. And I think childbearing here is what's called in, in speech a synecdoche. Synecdoche is one thing representing the whole. So if you talk about something, like, an easy one to use, that I heard actually recently, I was listening to a sermon and the guy actually used in the sermon the word synecdoche. I was like, oh, people don't normally use this word. But if someone says, I want to see your wheels, I want to see your wheels. That's a synecdoche. They're saying, I want to see your car. They're using wheels to represent the entire thing. And so here I think childbearing is used in "fain you shall bring four children, is connected with the domestic sphere that God has given to the woman. We even see similar language when the woman will be saved by childbearing or through childbearing, which is, also, which is the word he was getting at a synecdoche. That was his first proper. And so here, though, I think it's a, a similar reality. But then let's look at Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, as we look through passages of scripture, as we think about the woman and the home. Proverbs 31 and verse 27. Proverbs 31 and verse 27. It says there, it says, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of Idleness. So we see here in all the different things that the Proverbs 31 woman is about, a key thing that God wants us to know about the ideal woman is her desire is to watch, is to watch over the ways of her household. Her household is her priority, and therefore that is what she's watching over, and she watches over it not with laziness or with sloth, because she does not eat the bread of idleness, And so we see here in the Proverbs 31 woman that reality. And if you turn me to 1 Timothy 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, the the verse that I I was just referencing before. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 15. After talking about the things that God does not want a woman to do or to be, he then tells the woman what her sphere is to be and if it's not to be in teaching or having authority over men verse 12 if it's learning in silence with all submission not teaching not having authority because of creation because of the fall verses 13 and 14 what is the woman's sphere what is her place it says verse 15 nevertheless she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith love and holiness with self-control childbearing there again is a synecdoche childbearing being one of the key aspects that makes a man different from a woman needs to be said crazily in our culture men can't give birth only women can and so this is one of the unique features that makes a man different from a woman a woman can bear children And so he's using childbearing by saying the place in which the woman is going to excel and her place where saved is not the salvation of her soul, but where she grows in her sanctification is in the context of the domestic life. And he uses here the one word childbearing. And then he says if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. And so we see that there. As well, and then if you turn me to First Timothy chapter five, First Timothy chapter five, this is about the, the women that could be put on the list to receive care from the church because they were widows. And it says in verse nine, I'm going to read verse nine and 10 of 1 Timothy five, it says, "Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man." Well, reported for good works, if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. Why would I take us to a text like this? Because we see here some of those virtues that God wants older women, these older women who are widows, who are not under 60 years old, they are to be ones who are the wife of one man. So there are to be one woman, they are to be the wife of one man, they are to be well reported for good works. And then the first good work that's given, she has brought up children. She has cared for, reared children. And how is she doing that? Because she's in the context Of her home, caring for those children, she's lodging strangers, which is connected with homemaking and hospitality. She's washed the saints' feet. She's cared for her brothers and sisters in Christ. She's relieved the afflicted. She has diligently followed every good work. So we see all these things connected here. Uh, They are connected with a woman and her love for her husband and her children, and bringing up those children in the truth. But then we see as well in the same chapter. Those younger widows, those younger widows. So it's possible that maybe younger is under 60. Maybe if you're 60 and older, maybe then you're older, possibly from a text like this. And maybe if you're under 60, then you're younger. That's that's possible as well. I know I've said before it might be 40s, but maybe it's, maybe on a text like this, maybe it's 60 and older. You're an older woman. Anyways, verse 14, 1 Timothy 5 and verse 14, it says, Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. So we see here the younger widows are those who are to marry, to bear children, and to manage the house. Which I think is not just for younger widows. I think it's an admonition for all younger women. Generally speaking, all younger women should want to get married... And God has given that desire to almost every younger woman to get married. She should want to get married. She should want to have babies. And she should want to keep the house or manage the house. These are the three things that God wants younger women to desire and to want. Getting married, bearing children, and managing the house. And what's the reason given? In 1 Timothy, or in Titus 2, we see that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Here we see that we might give no opportunity to the adversary or the devil to speak reproachfully. And then look at verse 15. For some have already turned aside after Satan, which seems to make make the most sense if a woman is not fulfilling her domestic duties, if she's not seeking to marry, bear children, manage the house, she might stray after a worldly life. But giving herself to how God designed her and those duties is a way for her To be saved in childbearing, as we saw before. That's her way of sanctification so she doesn't turn aside after Satan. And so we see those those things. It's not just in Titus 2. It's in other places of the word of God that God's desire for women is to be caring for and loving her family by being a homemaker. By managing the home. By managing the home. And this is one where out of everything in the list, maybe the one that's at the very end might be more controversial, but this might be the most controversial one on the Titus 2 list. And there are some, sadly, that try to get out of it by saying it cannot mean a woman must focus her primary attention on the home. They try to make excuses for it. But it is true that a woman is to be a home maker, a keeper of the home, a worker at home. Her primary sphere of ways that she is to care for her husband and children is by caring for the home. That is a key way that a woman loves her husband and children is by being A homemaker is not the only way. We saw many ways that a woman loves her husband, loves her children. But a key way is by being a homemaker. And so to be a homemaker is to see and devote the primary efforts of managing your household, for caring for what needs, and done in the way that loves your husband and loves your children. And so this is what God desires for older women to admonish Younger women in, And this is something that younger women need to hear. Not at the time when they're about to get married. They need to hear this from the beginning. That they need to hear and be taught and be trained that God's desire for them as women is to be God-fearing homemakers. And therefore, if they're instructed in those things from the beginning then their desire will be to, and I've said this in another sermon, but their desire in their life decisions will be focused on that. It'll be focused. I know I want to get married. I know I want to have children. I know I want to be a homemaker because that's what God says. And therefore, all the younger women's decisions will be under that umbrella to glorify God and to be a blessing for my future family, if God would give me one, to be a good wife, to be a good mother, and to be a good homemaker. To focus on those realities, be focused on those things, so that she is making decisions not based on what the feminist culture would tell her, but what the Word of God teaches. What the Word of God teaches. And so a woman must first have the desire to be a homemaker before she'll ever want to be taught what it practically looks like to be a homemaker. And so it's so important that older women are admonishing the younger women in homemaking. In homemaking. And these things are very practical. Very practical of a woman being a homemaker. Things like helping a woman. It would be ideal if a younger woman... Before she got married, knew how to cook, knew how to clean, knew how to do laundry, knew how to care for the home, knew how to decorate. It's as practical as that. Older women helping younger women know so when they get married, they know how to cook. They know how to do all these things. They know how to care for the home. They know how to make a, a happy home by these things. And so these things should happen From the beginning where older women are admonishing and teaching younger women in these skills of homemaking. Younger women from their moms, ideally, but also from other godly women should be taught and admonished in the practical realities of what it means to be a homemaker. Some of you, maybe you didn't have a believing mother or maybe you did or maybe your mom didn't help you with these things. And so you grew up and when you got married, you really didn't have a knowledge to be a homemaker. You didn't really know. And thankfully, there's so much stuff out there. If there's a will, there's a way women can learn and are with cookbooks or videos or classes. There's so much out there. But maybe you you think back and think how much better it would have been if from day one, before you got married, you were able to cook, clean, do laundry, care for the home, decorate because you were being taught by an older woman by your mom or by other older women. And so this is what God wants older women to be teaching younger women, to be homemakers. And one key way that older women help younger women in homemaking is by celebrating a younger woman that would want that. I've also said this in a sermon, but by celebrating older women or older women celebrating younger women wanting these things by celebrating them having the desire to be a homemaker by celebrating their desire to be a wife and a mother and a keeper of the home by older women celebrating it it makes it valuable just like how the men if the men value something and they're showing that they value something to the younger men you know what's going to happen the younger men are going to want it because they see the older men valuing it you know how more younger women are going to want to be homemakers is by more women in the church, by the way they live and by what they say, encouraging younger women of the priority of keeping the home. This is how older women can admonish and help younger women in the value of homemaking by prizing it. And, and some of you who are homemakers, those who are homemakers, you probably know a lot more of the ins and outs than someone like me or another man of what that looks like. And so this is why God wants you teaching the younger women this. Because there's things about homemaking that I will never know. But you know because you're doing it and you're, you're, it's hands-on. And you being able to give that to younger women is priceless of teaching them those realities. I might be able to encourage them from God's word of why they should want it and why it's a good thing. But you are the one who's able to help them say, okay, now that you want it because you've been convinced by God's word, let me show you what it looks like practically and tangibly. And so that's what what you should desire, what you should desire. And for the young men who are not married, this is what you should desire. You should desire a woman that prioritizes caring for your home, caring for being in the home and loving the home and prioritizing the home for the good of you and your children. I have a couple quotes about the value of of being a mother or being a homemaker. Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, quote, Never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother, end quotes. Or Charles Spurgeon also says this, quote, You are as much serving God in looking after your own children and train them up in God's fear, And minding the house and making your household a church for God as you would be if you had been called to lead an army to battle for the Lord of hosts, end quotes. Or one from J.R. Miller. He says, quote, The woman who makes a sweet, beautiful home, filling it with love and prayer and purity, is doing something better than anything else her hands could find to do. Beneath the skies, end quotes. And so we see these godly men prioritizing and valuing women being in the home, caring for their home. And this is what older women must be admonishing younger women to be. This is very practical as well, as even as you're talking about younger women, what they might do for their future, what plans they might have. Again, all of it, the admonition that older women should give to them is under the framework of, is this going to benefit you? Because I know you want to be married. If you're talking to a woman, you know she wants to be married. Is this going to benefit you in the long run to be a good wife, to be a good mother, and to be a good homemaker? And if it's not, you shouldn't do it. If it's not, you shouldn't do it. If it's not going to benefit you in those three ways, it's not something God wants for you because God does not want you thinking, I'm just going to live my life and then maybe haphazardly this will happen. God wants women and men to prepare. And one way women prepare, a key way they prepare is by thinking, is this decision going to help me be a better wife, a better mother, and a better keeper of the home? And so that's, that's crucial that women make their decisions based on that reality so that they can be better equipped in those, in those ways. But now my second point. Older women admonishing younger women based on sound doctrine to be good. To be good. It says in verse 5 again, To be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. It says there, and again, that they are to teach them to be good. To teach them to be good. Here is the reality that older women are to admonish younger women in being a woman devoted to good works. Being devoted to goodness, to righteousness, to obedience to God. A very general word. But women are to admon- older women are to admonish younger women to be good in the way they live and act. Because we know the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. A woman who is walking in the fruit of the Spirit is walking in goodness. Is walking in goodness, and so older women are admonish younger women to give themselves not to frivolous things, not to empty things, not to vain things, but to things that God sees as good. That to give themselves to good works. A good woman who is therefore walking in God's ways will bring a mess blessing to her family. And so all these things are on the umbrella of good works, loving husband, loving children, being discreet, being chaste. But a woman who is walking in goodness will truly be a blessing for her family. Because if she's a good woman, if she's a woman of godly character... All these things she's going to want to do. And when she doesn't love her husband, when she doesn't love her children, when she's not chaste or discreet, she feels grieved over that because she's a woman marked by goodness, marked by good and godly qualities. And her life and her desire is to walk in goodness. Sometimes people will say, I actually had a a debate with someone when I was still on Twitter about this subject. He put out about how no one's good. (laughs) And I actually debated him that actually the Bible calls people good. And that's kind of a thing that people like to say in passing. Well, no, no one's good. And it's interesting. Barnabas is called a good man. I quoted that verse to him. He's like, oh, I don't think he knew about that verse when I quoted to him. Because some people will say that haphazardly like, yeah, no one's good. And then throughout the scriptures, there's language of good men. A good man leaves inheritance to his children's children. Barnabas was a good man. Those who are walking in the Holy Spirit are walking in goodness. And so it is true that we can be, or it isn't true that we cannot be good. Some verses that people like to use, one they like to use when Jesus says, no one is good, only God alone. What he's saying there is no one can be good enough to merit heaven because he's saying, how can I have eternal life? He's saying, well, no one can be good enough to merit eternal life. No one's good enough for that except God alone. Or some people look at Romans 3 where it says, no one's good, no, not one. That same section says no one fears God. But we know Christians fear God. And so Christians are able to walk in goodness. Christians are able to actually do works. Whoever turned the AC on, that was a blessing. That feels a lot better. Um, And so they they are able to walk in good works. They're able to walk in obedience to God. They're able to walk in a way that pleases God. This is one thing that's so encouraging for me and hopefully for you, that we actually can, by God's grace, if we're in Christ, do things that please God. Do things that please God. Do things that he actually calls good. It isn't true for the believer that all our works are filthy rags. That isn't true about the believer. It isn't true that everything we do is just a filthy rag to God. No, what we do as Christians, done for his glory, by faith, God sees it as good and well-pleasing in his sight. This is how he can reward us. If everything we did as Christians was a filthy rag, God could reward nothing. But Jesus says when you give in secret, pray in secret, fast in secret... Your heavenly father who sees it will reward you openly because God sees when we do it for his glory by faith as something good. And so older women should admonish younger women in goodness, in goodness. So that a woman's desire, because she's a good woman, is to do other people good. And this is what we see in the Proverbs 31 woman. She does her husband good and not evil all the days of her life. And why does she do that? Because she's a good woman, because she's a good woman, because she's walking in the fruit of the spirit of goodness, because she truly loves God. She wants to do her husband and her children good all the days of her life. Now, my third point, older women admonishing younger women based on sound doctrine to be obedient to their own husbands. I spent a good bit of time on this when I was talking about loving, uh, what it looks like for a wife to love her husband. I think one way, not the only way, but one way a wife loves her husband is by submitting and obeying him. But we see here explicitly that older women are to admonish younger women to obey their husbands, to obey their husbands. We know because of the fall, we, we actually read it where it says, your desire shall be for your husband. What's that, what that is getting at is because of the fall, women submitting to their husband becomes more difficult. There is something because of the fall that a woman, if she's walking in the flesh, bucks against submitting to her husband. There's something that she fights against in that reality because of her remaining sin, even as a believer. So one of the hardest things for a woman to do is for a woman to cheerfully obey her husband. And therefore, older women who maybe haven't obeyed their husband and realize how terrible that was to do that, must encourage younger women, don't do it. I did it that way, and it was not good. Or older women who have, and as the general power in their life, obeyed their husband and seen the good fruit of it, they should encourage the younger women to love and submit and obey their husbands. It can be so easy when you have a young woman who's calling an older woman and she calls to complain about her husband. And she wants to have a session of just wearing into her husband of how terrible of a husband she is, or how terrible a husband he is. That older woman, if she's good and she's godly, she's gonna say, This is not gonna be helpful. God tells you to respect and obey your husband. You telling me these things is not respecting and not obeying your husband. If you want counsel for me of how to respect and obey your husband, We can talk about that, but we're not going to talk about bashing your husband. That's what an older godly woman does. She might hear the woman out, but her purpose of hearing the woman out is to show her where she can be a better wife and mother, where she can be a more obedient wife. This doesn't mean, let me just say this for clarity, this doesn't mean there might never come a time where a husband really is doing something bad and really should be confronted by the men in the church, the elders. That can happen for sure. And that man needs to be confronted and and rebuked for his sin. But that wife should desire, as long as it's not things sinful or these type of things, to obey her husband. To obey her husband. To come under his headship, to come under his leadership, and to follow the vision that he sets for the family. This is so crucial because women... If they're not being taught this, the natural, again, the natural tendency is to rebel against their husband's authority. So it's something that has to be learned. It's something that has to be taught and practiced and trained. And therefore, older women must encourage younger women in this virtue. And and a woman who says, I love Jesus and I love Christ and I submit to Christ, but she's unwilling to submit to her husband is speaking a lie. Because the way in which that woman shows forth her submission to Christ, one of the key ways is by her submission to her husband. A key way a wife shows forth her, her submission to Christ is her submission to her husband. I would say the same thing if I was preaching to men and I'll say it now. A man who says he loves Christ, but does not love his wife is speaking a lie. Because the primary way a husband shows that he loves Jesus is by loving the woman God gave him. So if a man doesn't do that, he doesn't he's speaking a lie. So it's both and. A woman shows that she submits to Christ by submitting to her husband. A husband shows that he loves Christ by loving his wife. But women are to older women are to teach younger women to obey their husbands. To obey their husbands. It's interesting in Ephesians chapter 5. I take it the reason why this is emphasized is because these are things that men and women might be naturally weak in if they're walking in the flesh. He exhorts men to love their wives because what are men tempted to do? To be bitter with them. And that's why he says, husbands, love your wives in Colossians 3 and don't be bitter towards them. Don't be harsh towards them because that's a male temptation. What's the woman temptation? To disrespect and disobey her husband. So he says to the wives, wives, submit to yourselves, to your own husbands as unto the Lord. And at the end, he tells the wives to respect their husbands because these things are not done in the flesh. They're not done naturally. They are done supernaturally by the grace of God in the heart of a woman. These are crucial things to know and to understand that a wife is to obey her husband. To obey her husband. Of course, we know if, she, if he's telling her to do sinful things, of course she has to obey God rather than men. But the general rule of scripture as a wife is to obey and submit to her husband in everything. And then my fourth point, that the word of God not be blasphemed, which kind of encapsulates, it kind of encapsulates all these things together. Why is it so important that older women admonish younger women in loving their husbands and loving their children and being discreet and chaste and homemakers and good and obedient to their own husbands? Was it so the, the Cretan culture would like them better? No. Was it so they would fit in? No. Was it so they would look like everybody else and not cause a ruckus? No. And some people try to do that with passages of scripture. They say this, this was just for that time. It has no relevance to us today. But that's not the reason he gives. The reason why women are to teach, older women are to teach younger women these things is so that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So what he's saying is if women are not loving their husband and children, if they're not self-controlled, if they're not pure, if they're not homemakers, if they're not good, if they're not obedient to their own husbands, the word of God will be blasphemed by the enemies of God. Because, and we can even think about this. People can say things like this. That person says they're a Christian, but they act just like me. They gossip about their husband just like me. They disobey their husband just like me. They, they are uh, impure just like me. They, they don't have self-control just like me. The Christian faith has done nothing for them. So I'm just like them. It's done no good for them because they're just like me. And people can think this way. They might not tell you that, but if they if you they know you're a Christian and the way you live and act as a woman is just like them, they think being a Christian makes no difference. You're you're just like me. But when they see a woman that she truly loves her husband, loves her children, is willing to sacrifice even more money to be at home. She's a woman that is chaste, she is discreet, she is good. They say. Something is different about this woman. She's not like me. and the Word of God is honored as they see something different in the woman who's been changed and transformed by the grace of God. The Word of God can be honored when they see them they might not know, and there are some people as they see your life different from them because you're in Christ, they might not know, but there's an honor given to the Christian faith, because they know you're like that because you're a Christian. They might not tell you, but there's a respect because they know you're different because you say you are a Christian. And when things get tough, they don't go to those people who say they're Christian but live like they're not. They go to those who genuinely walk the walk and talk the talk because they respect those people. Even if they disagree with them, they respect those people because they know they're genuine. They know they're genuine. And what Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is saying here is genuine Christian women, they love their husbands. Genuine Christian women love their children. Genuine Christian women are discreet and self-controlled. Genuine Christian women are chaste and pure and modest. Genuine Christian women care for their home as homemakers. Genuine Christian women are good in their disposition and in good works. And genuine Christian women obey their husbands. This is what it means to be a sincere Christian woman. This is basic 101 femininity. This is 101 what it means to be a godly Christian woman. But as we look at our landscape, how many women are like this? How many women are really like what Titus 2 says they ought to be. Not as many as we would want. Not as many as we would want. And sadly, sometimes too, what you can have is you can have times in, in a cultural setting where it's, it's more common for women to do some of these things. There might have been times in American culture where it's more common. But if it's not rooted and grounded in Christ, if it's not rooted and grounded in the woman knowing why she's doing it and doing it with a purpose, it's going to fade. It's going to fade. And so it must be purposeful. It must be desirous from the heart to glorify God because they're saved from their sin to live a life of feminine virtue, of feminine virtue. And so it's so crucial that we have these type of women. Otherwise, in this church and other churches, the word of God will be blasphemed. The word of God will be blasphemed if women are not fulfilling their roles. And we pray, we, we should all pray that God would save not just bring people from other churches that maybe are not in healthy context, but that God would save people from their sin. That God would save sinners and bring them into the church. And we pray that that would happen here. And what would we want them to hear if they come here as women once they get acclimated and once we have opportunity to disciple them? that they would be these type of women by seeing it in the women here and by having it taught to them and admonished them by the women here. And so we need women that desire these things themselves and are training the younger women in this. And so ladies, if you, as you think about yourself, think, am I growing in a woman who loves my husband? Am I growing in a woman who loves my children? Am I growing in self-control, in controlling my emotions and using them rightly for God's glory? Am I dressing modestly in, in a feminine, chaste way? Am I growing in my abilities as a homemaker and caring for my home? Am I walking in goodness and good works? Are you walking in obedience to your own husband? And are you doing these things because you don't want the word of God to be blasphemed? Are you growing in these things? Are you progressing in these things? And these should be the desire that every unmarried woman wants as well. She should want all these things and she should prepare her heart to be all these things in the context of her family. Lover of her husband, lover of her children, discreet, chaste, a homemaker, good, obedient to her own husband that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And then for those who are without Christ, the only hope that they have to ever be what God wants them to be is by being in Christ. No one can be a godly older woman, godly older man, godly boy, girl, younger man, younger woman without Christ and without the redemption that is found in Jesus Christ. That's the only way that anyone can ever be what God wants them to be, by repenting and believing in Christ and being redeemed and all these things as again even for for christians even for christian women must be motivated these seven things there's seven things on the titus 2 list and these seven things that they are to admonish younger women in must be done in light of the redemption that we have in christ jesus in christ jesus i wish every christian woman i don't have the opportunity to, to do this for every christian woman i don't have the opportunity to pastor every Christian woman obviously but I wish more Christian women would be encouraged in what Titus 2 says is it is sad to me as I see women even in churches that are not pursuing a Titus 2 vision they're not pursuing what Titus 2 says they're pursuing what the world says maybe they are truly Christians and I'm sure many of them are But they have not been taught and admonished and trained. So they just go along with everybody else. What everybody else does, that's what I'm going to do. Everybody else is getting a career. That's what I must pursue. Everybody's doing this. That's what I must do as well. Everybody's doing X, Y, or Z because that's what everybody else does. I should do it too. And it's very common. It's very common. And And a thing especially that I see where this can be such a thing where Christian women go along with the way worldly women do is the idea of college. Again, I've said before, I'm not dogmatic to say there never might be a reason where a woman could pursue higher education that way. But many of the time, it's not thought, is this going to help me be a better wife, mother, and homemaker? It's not thought in that context. It's thought, this is what everybody else does. I must do it too, or I'm not a person that's worth anything. Not thinking is... Is it worth it? Is the price and the cost and the energy worth it for my long-term goal? And so older women should lovingly encourage younger women, especially in that stage where they're making crucial life decisions and encouraging them. Have you thought about all the different ramifications of this choice for you wanting to be a wife, mother, and a keeper of your home? Is this going to help or hinder? And that's a hard conversation because that can be very controversial for younger women if they bought that kind of, this is what I have to do. But older women should have the courage to at least lovingly put it in their ear to think about it, to think about whether this would be a wise decision for their future. And encourage those women, you don't have to do it that way. You don't have to do it that way. And you can grow in other ways. And let me just say this as well. <laughs> This might go without saying, but let me just say there's a lot of ways to be educated without getting a degree. (laughs) So sometimes our culture thinks the only way someone can be educated is that they have a diploma. That's not true. Someone can be very well educated, being self-taught, learning, reading, studying, watching things. There's many ways to be very, very educated on something without having a diploma. And so we don't want to even buy that line, that someone is not educated on something unless they have a piece of paper. Because we do want our women to be very educated. We want our women to be very knowledgeable. We want them to be great learners and great students of the word of God and different things. But we want them to do it in a way that pleases God in their callings of being wives, mothers, and homemakers. And so this is is crucial. And it's also that the word of God may not be blasphemed so that the word of God may not be blasphemed, so that God's truth might be honored. And so may God help all of us, us as men to encourage women to be Titus to women, that men would speak and celebrate their wives and the mothers of their children doing these things and the daughters that they have, they would celebrate these things and women in the church would celebrate the beautiful reality of women being what Titus 2 says they ought to be. What a blessing it would be in the next generation if we had women doing what Titus 2 says. Think about the blessing it would bring to families, churches, and to our nation. If women were doing what Titus 2 says, it would bring immense blessing to families, churches, and nations. And so may we love God's truth and be doers of his word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Amen. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Anything that was said that was not according to your truth, may it be blown away. Anything that was according to your truth may it be remembered and may it be celebrated. And we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.